Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Interfacing, and uh, this series uh, is is uh, about what I think it means to be an interface. And I've said to you throughout this series now that um, we're to, as part of our mission, we're to be an interface between pre-Christians, that's what we thought we would call, it's a hopeful term for unbelievers, and the kingdom of God. And that part of what we're called to is to be just that, an interface to help people who don't yet know Jesus to come and to know Jesus. That's like the, the main reason that we're here and what we do. And, uh, and so we're using that term interface to help just sort of talk about it in this process. We're using in this um, series 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. We've been discussing those verses uh, over the last uh, six, seven, seven weeks now. Um, we're going to be digging into them again. Um, this week um, we're going to be looking at um, verses 9 and 10 and what they mean uh, in the process. And we talked about them last week and we may talk about them some more next week um, because we're uncovering some uh, things about uh, not only you know, who we are in those verses but what our purpose is. And we, we discussed that last week. And now I want to talk uh, about some of uh, uh, this idea of being an interface, actually reaching out. We've been talking a lot about why. I want to take a couple of weeks and talk about, you know, sort of some of the hows, or at least build up to the hows, so we can see what that looks like. And I said to you, you know, that, that this idea in First Peter 2 is really sort of uh, two, two parts, two facets. One of them is how we live, that we're to live by trying to, trying to do the next right thing. And then the other is that when we get opportunity is, is, is the words that we speak make a difference. And that um, we're to be speaking to people when we get opportunities... Um, the, the gospel, the good news, that, that that's what helps people into the kingdom. Um, you know, the, the way that we live is, is sort of a platform for that, hopefully. Uh, and then when the opportunities arise, we're to um, share with people about the good news of Jesus. That's how people get saved. They believe in their hearts and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so we're, we're helping them, hopefully, in that journey. It's, it's a big part of why we're here. And, and, you know, there's a lot that goes with that, and, you know, we, um, uh, we, we're going to deal with all sorts of people, and that, that's kind of the stuff I want to look at over the next couple of weeks. Some people who, who are ready and, and have, are at the place where they need to hear that message, others who, who won't yet hear it, and yet we need to continually love them until the opportunity arises for us to be able to speak the truth uh, in some, you know, in loving way to them, that it will make a difference. And, and maybe in your own you know, life and, and um, reality, you understand that process. I know, you know, I grew up as a, um, uh, an unbeliever. My family didn't attend church. Um, I have no church experience growing up at all. Uh, the, and, you know, I, I say that. I, I stayed at a friend's house a couple of times when I was a teenager, and they went to church, but it was like a big joke to all of them. You know, maybe not to the parents, but to all the kids. And so I didn't take it as serious. It meant nothing to me. It was a kind of a considered a waste of time. I remember my first, um, my first encounter, even really even hearing about Jesus, I didn't at the church, was at, at 18 maybe uh, in, in college, um, hearing something about it and then meeting some Christians. You know how God starts to put people together and I, I met this, uh, this guy on the job who was a Christian and he started to talk. And, but I didn't want to hear any of it. Um, and so I was a tough sell. Uh, to say the least, and so you know they, uh, you know I had to say that that people sort of somewhere a little more uh, 
but you know, if you're not ready to hear it, you just sort of dismiss it and you don't care and you don't want to hear it. But, but when the time came and the situation in my, my life changed and all of a sudden there was this opportunity, um, uh, it was someone speaking the simple message that, that caused me to make the change and the shift. So, you know, it's a, it's a process and it took time, but, you know, the, the, uh, I, I understand that and, and then look for ways to help people along in the journey so that they can come in. We know that that's the the sort of the main purpose that we have and we'll be talking about that more today all right so that's the intro we're moving into the other part I always do this little thing break up the ice I guess break the monotony I don't know now it's just expected did you hear about the scarecrow that won the lifetime achievement award he was outstanding in his field (laughs) it's terrible I know it's just terrible I apologize the scripture, the scripture reading, Second Corinthians five, eighteen through twenty-one. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So last week, at the end of the message, you know, I, I started the message last week by talking about, you know, um, who we are in Christ and what that means and that that we were you know a chosen people a holy royal priesthood um, and all that that means and and because of that because we're chosen holy royal priests I said that we have a definite purpose in life and first Peter 2 the the last part of first Peter 2 9 says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light that that's a, a, a purpose statement for all of us a mission statement that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life and so again that's the idea that we're to be an interface to pre-christians telling them how amazing Jesus is talking about his love his mercy his grace his power his compassion his desire to heal and restore and to make broken people whole once again that this is the calling of our lives to be proclaimers of God in Christ, the, of the goodness of God in Christ. Now, how do we do that? And, and we'll spend a little bit of time talking about this, but I want to look at um, our scripture reading today as sort of a, an idea to help us in this process that um, we've been given a task, and, and here in 2 Corinthians 5, um, Paul really gives us uh, an, another sort of name for it, which I like. He calls us ambassadors, and that we're given a ministry of reconciliation and we're given a message of that reconciliation and so I want to look at that um, today in our time together so point number one in your notes is this the message of reconciliation the message of reconciliation 2nd Corinthians 5 18 and 19 all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That word reconcile shows up a lot. 
um, that this is the idea, and that's really what we've been talking about, reconciling unbelievers to Christ, that, that a way is now possible, that people can be reconciled to God, perfect, holy God, even though we've all messed up and we've all sinned, that now in Christ, God is no longer counting their sins against them. That means that we have a way now in Christ to be reestablished, reconnected, reconciled to God now and forever. This is big news. This is good news. This is amazing news. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's the best news in the universe. It's the best deal in the universe. It's, it's, it's amazing because, um, you know, once we understand that we're broken, that, that we're a mess, and, I, you know, I think that takes some people a while to get to. Some people just are on that idea that well, I just need to be a good person, but really when you when you talk to people about what that what good is you know um, it doesn't take long for people to really realize that none of us really is good uh, we don't none of us fits the bill we might do maybe we hope we do more good stuff than bad stuff that's kind of the scale but that's not the issue the issue is once you've sinned you're, you you you're out of the presence of a of a holy God who's you know perfect and we've got issues but God is making a way in Christ see this is the message that we have uh, in him. And so this message of reconciliation, it's the good news that we talk about. It's the gospel. It's the truth. Um, we've all sinned, and yet God's made a way for us in Christ to be reconciled to him. Christ died. Remember the, the, the just bottom line good news. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and on the third day he rose, and that was witnessed by hundreds of people. That's in 1 Corinthians 15. That little heart of the gospel. That's the thing that people have to sort of get a hold of and understand uh, of the process. That, that Christ died for our sins. It wasn't for anything else. Because of our mess, He came. He willingly went to the cross on our behalf. He died for our sins. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, He rose again. And that this process was witnessed by hundreds of people. There were eyewitness after eyewitness testimony. It's not just some sort of myth or fairy tale. We've got hundreds of eyewitnesses to the account who were still alive at the time of the writing of the Gospels. So... His perfect, sinless life was given in exchange for ours. He paid for our sins so that we can now be reconciled to God. And, and having accepted then Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, this radical message that we have of hope, the best deal in the universe, this whole thing has been committed to us to share with others. We're to tell others so that they can be reconciled to God as well. And so what that means is, Paul says this, point number two, that we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God now is going to use us to implore others to become reconciled to God. And, and so he, this is, you know, Paul is just backing up Peter here in the, in the way that these things work. This is our mission. This is our purpose. This is our calling. That, that we're to be um, an avenue, a, a door of love and hope, if you would, into the kingdom of God for people who have not yet found their way in. Um, it's a very outward focus, uh, what this looks like. It, it means that um, coming into the kingdom of God is more than just all that he does for us, which is huge. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing that he begins to go to work to us by his, on his, us by his spirit um, to start dealing with the brokenness and the, and the heartache and the sorrow and the pain and the things that we deal with in this broken world. He certainly begins to do that. 
But, but not only is he doing that, that's not where we leave it. Because he's doing all that, then he says, look, I want you to go out and tell other people um, about what you understand and what you've found in me. I want you to serve as my ambassadors. I want you as, as citizens of heaven now to be the ones that tell other people um, about what uh, this is all about. Now, it may not seem like the best plan, knowing the cast of characters that we are, um, but this is the plan. Uh, it always has been the plan. Uh, you know, I, I always kind of think it, it's, uh, you know, you wonder, you know, God, this, wouldn't this have been better handled by angels? I mean, you know, angels swoop in, and, and, uh, and you know, and then, and then you would think maybe that might get a little more attention. The problem is with angels, when they actually do show up, everybody hits a deck. Uh, if you read the scripture, because the first thing that angels always say when, it's funny, you read through the scriptures, you know everything, the first thing angel always is not hello, how you doing, anything else. And it's, uh, <laughs> fear not. Do not be afraid. Um, that's almost what, because apparently it's a pretty big deal when, when an angel pops up. And uh, you generally hit the deck and the angels are saying, don't be afraid and stand up. <laughs> Get up, I've got things to say, don't, you know. So um, uh, maybe, it, it, maybe that's why it's not effective. But this is the plan of God, always has been. You know, Jesus, when he was here, he came and he gathered folks who um, he then said, okay, this is what you're going to be doing. And he showed them what it looked like. And they taught him how to love people, how to pray for people, how to encourage people, and, and said, you know, Spirit's going to come, and you're going to go out, and you're going to do these things. And that's what the, the plan is, and it continues to this day. 2,000 years later, that's still the plan. And, and we've been a part of that. I love thinking about that. We're a part of that. You know, even though we're, we're 2,000 years into this thing, we're, we're just attached to what took place um, from the time that Jesus came and, and ministered among us and loved us and, and you know, went to the cross for us and died for us and defeated death and rose again and sent the Holy Spirit and that the church started at Pentecost a couple thousand years ago, you know, which we celebrated last weekend. And that from that time to this, this has all been part of the process and plan, and this is what's taking place and will continue to take place until he comes back for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And goes on in verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That was the hope in the heart of God. Jesus came, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So now, you know, we, we keep getting back to this question, and it's a question we'll, we'll be looking at. Um, how do we do that? How do we get people to hear and receive this radical message of good news, this radical message of reconciliation? And, and first and foremost, we have to love them enough for them to listen. That's where, where this starts. Even, the, even having the right words to say and all the other stuff, if we don't love them in a way that they will listen, then, then we, we just can't even get this thing moving the way that we need to. It always starts with that. Loving people well enough that they have a, a desire to listen to us. So it starts with, point three, becoming his righteousness. Becoming his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That verse, very important verse here at our little tiny, you know, local vineyard, 2 Corinthians 5.21 That 5.21 is where we get some stuff that happens here like being thankful for five things, encouraging two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. 
came out of that verse. That's the heart of that verse. Five, two, one. Um, something significant. But see, that word there is interesting, righteousness. Well, what does that mean, the righteousness of God? Does that mean, you know, we've got we to gotta have it all together all the time or at least act like we have it all together all the time and we're going to point out people's messes for them and, and we're going to be those things. Is that what I'm righteous? You know, is that, no, I'm, I'm self-righteous. Is it, what's righteousness? Righteousness is really this. It's being right with God. That's what righteousness means. Being right with God. Now, understand this, that the only way you can be right with God is in Christ. And it's only because of everything that he's done. It's got nothing about what you've done. It's all about what he's done. It's not a self-righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes from God, through God, in Christ. And it's all because of what he's done. And so, because of what Jesus has done, we are now being, we're made right with God. We're certainly not completely all together yet. I haven't met anybody all together. I'm not all together. I've got a lot of issues that the Spirit of God is continually working on in me. And everybody that I know um, is, is like that. Everybody's in process. No one has arrived. Some may be a little further along than others, but nobody's arrived. We're all in process. But in Christ, we've already been made right with God. So what we have to do then is live this thing out in the world uh, around us we get right with God in Christ, and then we live by trying to do the next right thing. You've heard that before. We, we live by trying to do what's right, and, and yet we're not perfect, um, and, and we've talked about this a lot. We need, we need to know that we can go to Jesus and, and that he loves us and forgives us and, and gives us another chance. Um, but all of this idea is very important for us to grab a hold of so that we don't live in this world um, running around pointing the fingers of judgment at people because that is completely counter to the message of, of hope that we're trying to explain to people. Um, I, I like this. When, when the Spirit of God came, it, Jesus said, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all over the world. You'll be my witnesses. So we, the Holy Spirit comes in us so that we can be witnesses and yet what we often think that that means is we can, we're supposed to become judges. You weren't called to be a judge. You were called to be a witness. Think about it. Pretty cool, really. And yet, by and large, oftentimes the church gets this thing and thinks about this whole righteousness thing and gets self-righteous, and instead of being a witness, they become a judge. And at that point, you completely lose your impact in the world around you. The world then, this is how I always describe that. I think about this, and it happens. Is that at the moment that we become judges instead of witnesses uh, as the church, um, the, the world around us hits the mute button and turns us off and we are done. We are, we are completely whoop, cut off. They don't hear us. They don't receive us. Um, you know, in our culture, they've, they've really pushed us out of everything. They've, gotten, they've secularized our society. They basically, at least in our culture, have left us alone on the weekends and said, go ahead, you can do what you want on Sundays. Don't mess with us. So we don't want you in our public places. We don't want you doing our work weeks. We don't want you messing with us. Um, leave us alone. And part of that's the fallout from instead of being witnesses, being judges. And so they just muted us. But who are you to judge us? And in fact, we're, we're not. It's not our calling. We're terrible at it. And, and it just pushes people away. We're called to be witnesses. We're empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses. And in order to do that, we have to constantly remember this fourth point. And like I said, we'll expand on this in the next few weeks. That all of us desperately need God. And what we need is grace. We need grace. 
We need grace. I put it there three times. I was making a point. Grace. We're, we're people that desperately need grace. And as people that need grace, we're supposed to be people that, that understand what it means to give grace. And now, you know, there's this thing where, where people, when you, when you talk about grace now, part of the, sometimes people get all, well, you, all that's all you talk about, grace. That's all that, you know, it's what, and, you're, and you're, it, what you're saying is by grace that people can just keep doing whatever they want. And I think that's a completely misunderstanding of grace. I don't think that people with a heart for God, that get what's taking place and get the grace that we receive, then decide that they didn't just go and do whatever they want because of grace. I don't think they've, they've understood yet what it means. And I don't think that's the fallout of knowing grace. I think the, 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 the byproduct of knowing grace is people who have a desire to continually grow closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to God. That that's what happens when you get grace. It's not the opposite. You don't sin more. And in fact, you... you, you um, you get to a spot where you don't want to sin more. You want, to, you want it less. You want more Jesus. You want, and it's not a self-righteousness. It's a realization that you couldn't do it apart from him, that, that you, you weren't qualified for any of it, uh, and that, that every moment, every breath is about the grace of God for you because you, know, you, you get that you're wrecked uh, and that you couldn't take another step apart from him. And, and see, it's in the fullness of his grace that we experience the life he created us for. John 1, 4 through, uh, 14 through 17. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me be because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The fullness of his grace. We've all received one blessing after another. It means because of his grace, we receive every blessing in our lives. It's because of his grace. We never earned it. We never performed for it. None of that happened. All of that's taken out of the deal. It's because of his grace. It's by his grace that, that we're able to have relationship with him. It's, it's not by anything We've done it. It's not because we're performing well, but because of His grace. Galatians 2.21, Paul said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Becoming His righteousness had nothing to do with our performance. It had to do with the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Everything, every blessing, including salvation, is by his grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's a present tense thing. I don't, it's fascinating that he's done that, but we're already seated with him somehow. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's grace. It's, it's grace. It's, it's, it's <laughs> that breath was grace, the grace of God. 
It's all about him. It always has been. It's never been about me. As far as being in any way worthy or able, it doesn't matter how much time I spend in prayer or how much time I spend, you know, it's, it's all about his grace that makes it possible. And when we're to understand that, we're a people of grace. We're not a, it's not a performance thing that we're under. It's a grace thing. Out of that grace thing, though, and, 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 and I hope you hear this, will, will not be a desire to go and sin. It's the exact opposite. What, what comes when you allow that understanding of grace to, to allow you to become his righteousness means that, that, that it just loses its appeal. So, you know, sin is, is pleasurable for a season because we're trying to fill gaps and, and holes in our lives. We're trying to fill brokenness or pain with something else so that we don't deal with it. But when we understand the grace of God and the love of God, he begins by his spirit to work on those things. We don't need to chase after him in our own strength to try and fill them. They lose their appeal. They lose their, their power. They lose their, their, their hold over us. There's no comfort out there in any of that stuff. There's no peace. It's always in Christ. And, and because of this gift of grace, we're to be a, a people of grace, not a critical, hypocritical people. It's only as grace-filled people that we really can become effective as interfaces here in the world, as ambassadors fulfill the calling that we have. So my hope this week, I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about the grace of God. I want you to, to, to ponder the scriptures I gave you, and I want you to, to just read them throughout this week. Go back to them and read them over and over again, those grace scriptures about what it means, the fullness of his grace, about, about how it's his grace that saved us. It's grace that got us into the kingdom. And then as a people of grace, we can extend grace to the world around us so that we can love them well because we're going to find people in all sorts of spots. This, is, this mission is fascinating. This Being an ambassador is fascinating. When you're, when you're telling someone, if you were an ambassador to a country, you're going to have people that are interested in your country. You're going to have people that could care less. Um, and, and, and it's just going to be, you know, what situation? We're going to have people that are interested, like right at the moment about Jesus. I mean, we're going to be able to speak to them. We're going to have people that don't want to hear it and we're going to have to love them well, hopefully to encourage them so that at the point when the opportunities arise. We get that opportunity again. We don't, we, you know, because some people aren't, they're just not there yet. So we just continually love them and we show them grace because that's what we got. That's what it took. You know, it took years for me to get it. Not, I mean, from the time that I first heard it to the time it might seem like them, it was five or six years, but I'm glad that, that people kept up at, with me and loved me well and, and you know, continued. I, I, I think that makes a huge difference. When I was 19, I had somebody really explain it to me in a situation in my life, the gospel of Jesus, and at the end of it, I said no um, because I couldn't see how they had fun. I've told you that story. But he didn't stop loving me at that point. He gave me his Bible. I still have it upstairs in my office all these years later. Great, big, huge, thick, heavy King James, like a book, like this big. <laughs> he didn't beat me with it or anything. He just said, okay, I understand. I'll be praying for you and kept on. Kept on, you know, didn't change. Just kept loving me. That was grace, not performance. Anyway, ponder those things this week. Think about grace. Amazing deal, grace. We're going to shut it down here. Um, if you're watching on television by video, thank you. We'd love for you to come and visit. If you need prayer, go to the website, find the prayer page, or call us, and we'd be praying for you. And again, God bless you. Thanks for watching.